You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for His glory. This afternoon, uh, I want to minister a word entitled, For Such a Time as This. I believe that God has brought you into His kingdom for such a time as this. I believe you are here not by accident. You are here not because somebody has invited you. You could always say no. But you somehow, for whatever reason, you say yes this morning. Not because you are here to listen to a crazy Singaporean minister the word, but you're here because the Spirit of God has ordained you here. So you have come to this place for such a time as this. I believe some of you, some of you are actually at the edge of a miracle. Others of you are at the very point, a very threshold of stepping over into your destiny. I believe some of you are at a certain place where you are about to reach into your finest hour for your life. And so for such a time as this, you have come in this service. And so let's open our Bibles uh, this afternoon to Hebrews chapter 12. And I want to minister from Hebrews chapter 12 for such a time as this. In Hebrews chapter 12, there are, uh, and we'll see how time goes, but there are key instructions for us, how we ought to order our lives, how we ought to live our lives because of the time and season we are in. Uh, this, the scripture gives us certain principle, how we ought to live our life right this moment so that we can access that which God has for us at this moment. Now, as you turn your Bibles open to Hebrews chapter 12, Hebrews chapter 11 is what I call the hall of fame. Uh, of, of fame. It is a hall of fame. And it tells of the fame, the story of the famous people of God that have stepped into victory, that have stepped into their destiny, that have accessed the supernatural, walked the miraculous, and even have done the impossible. And so chapter 11 is a, is a listing of all of those great men and women of God. And then at the tail end of chapter 11, they, they begin to give us a listing of those that are nameless. And they are nameless because, you know what? Your name could be one of those names as well. So turn to the person beside you and say, your name could be one of those names. Yeah. So God wants your name to be found in the Hall of Fame. Now, the point here is this, because we are right now in a season of time, of the hour of God for our lives, where we are going to be accessing the, the miraculous of God. Therefore, it is important for such a time as this, that we heed some of the very important principle found in God's Word. So we begin in Hebrews 12 verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by a such a great cloud of witnesses, and this refers to those whose names are found in the list in chapter 11. Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Now, this is a very important point. I'm not going to unpack it too much because it's straightforward that, you know, if we are going to access God's season, if we're going to access our destiny, if we're going to access the, the successes, the blessings, the supernatural, 
it is therefore important for us to ensure that we live lives that are sinless, that we do not allow our lives to be entangled with sin. Now, uh, that's something that all of us have to deal with. But I want to move on uh, and focus on the next two points uh, uh, scriptures that is so important for us and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us let us fix our eyes on Jesus the author and perf perfecter of our faith and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us let us fix our eyes on Jesus the author and perfecter of our faith Father bless the reading of this word and I speak an impartation to come into lives this afternoon. And Lord, I want to thank you that as you call men and women into your destiny, that it is a destiny of success, of fulfillment, of blessing. It is a destiny filled with the supernatural, the miraculous that is about to happen in their lives. And so we thank you, Father, as we commit every man and woman into your loving hand. In Jesus' name, and God's people say, Amen. 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 For such a time as this, let us run the race marked out for us. Let us run the race marked out for us. Now, I asked the earlier congregation a question, and so I'm going to ask some of you as well. How many of you believe that the journey on this world is like a race? How many of you believe that? Okay. How many of you believe that it's a marathon and not a sprint? Or how many of you believe that it's a sprint and not a marathon? All right, so I'm going to ask, I'm going to take a poll right now. I'm going to ask a couple of you and then uh, we're going to see. All right. Okay. All right, mister. What's your name? Damien. Damien. All right. Is the race of life a marathon or is it a sprint? A marathon. A marathon. Okay. Let's ask the group from here. What do you think, sir? A marathon. Okay, it's a marathon. All right, let's ask from this segment. What do you guys think? <clears throat> I think it's a bit of both. It's a bit of both. Wow. <laughs> what about you? I agree with my husband. <laughs> you are a good woman. <laughs> All right. How many of you believe it's a marathon? Let me see your hand. How many of you believe it's a sprint? How many of you say, I don't know, I don't care? <laughs> How many of you say it's a bit of both? Yeah. Let us look very carefully at the scripture. So we're going to unpack it. Because if we are in this race of life, knowing that God has a destiny for us, knowing that we are about to access the supernatural and the miraculous, with all the thoughts around us right now pending this whole thing, how then ought we take this race of life? Is it a marathon? is a sprint because if it's a sprint we may sprint halfway and not make it how many of you understand what I'm talking about but if it's a marathon then there are some very important things you need to understand well 
is it a race? Is it a race of a, a sprint or is it a marathon? Well, frankly, the Bible isn't clear. The truth of the matter is the Bible isn't clear. However, however, the Bible is saying if you're gonna run this race, as you begin this race, it is important that you run. The word is run, the word didn't say walk. A lot of us dilly-dally through life, we're taking a stroll to smell the roses. Uh, now, uh, do you know that if you are at the edge, if you are at a threshold of a miracle, many of us are not gonna just stroll along. We're gonna run into our miracle. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The writer, the writer of this book of Hebrew, when he used this word run, the word run in Greek and in Aramaic means pace. It means speed. It means acceleration. It means energy, which means it's about acceleration. So it's not about you slowly moving along. I don't know about you. How many of you have been in a marathon? Anybody's run a marathon? All right. When you, our sister will be able to tell us, therefore, when you run this marathon, as you begin the marathon, if you start off just walking in a walking pace, you're going to very soon find yourself left behind by the larger group of runners. Is that true? And after a while, if you continue just slowly jogging to a mere walk, do you know that you lose interest in the whole race? That's why the writer says, run the race. Because to run means you have to keep up. To run with pace means you run with a certain energy, with a certain motivation. I have found in running that if I don't keep pace with the leaders, you know, very soon I'm going to be losing a lot of motivation and then it's going to require a lot of mental strength. There, there needs to be mental resoluteness to just keep going. There needs to be that tenacity. And that's why the writer says, run with perseverance. You just got to persevere and keep running forward so that it keeps you in pace with those in front of you. And so whether it is a sprint or it's a marathon, we need to understand this, this uh, afternoon, for such a time as this, run the race marked out for you. And to run the race marked out for you means that you've got to run with purpose. You've got to run with intent. You've got to run with motivation. You've got to run with the energy that God has given to you. Can someone say amen? So don't be left staggering behind because as soon as you are staggering behind, the the community of believers have passed you by, you are not going to keep up in your Christian faith because you're going to very soon be alone. And when you are running alone, friends, that's where you are left to, 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 to the attacks of the enemy. And that's the reason why people backslide. If you want to keep your faith firing, if you want to keep your faith firing to the point where you can access your miracle, it is therefore important to keep pace with those people running ahead of you. But the other thing here to, for us to understand, for such a time as this, run the race marked out for us. The word that the writer used is marked out for us. This phrase marked out for us is a very important phrase that many of us don't understand. A lot of us think that we're going to live our life the way we want it uh, and we're going to do the stuff that we want to do. Uh, but friends, listen, it says here, the race 
marked out for you. So when you're in a race, it is the rules are not determined by you. Hello? The rules are determined by Him. And listen, if you are upset with that, don't, 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 don't be upset with me. Just take, take an issue with Him. God is saying that He has a race marked out for you. Not your own personal race where you choose to do what you want. No. It's a race marked out for you. Do you know that in every race there are two lines for you to be in a lane? Do you understand? And the reason why the whole lane has been marked out for you is so that you can keep in the lane and not run into someone else's lane. The Bible tells us in Jeremiah 29 verse 11, For I know the plans I have concerning you. Plans to bless you. Plans to prosper you. So God has a plan for your life. And it's not you setting your own plan for your life. Hello? I see many believers living life the way they want to. Friends, many of us missed it. If you start living life the way you want to, then you will never step into the successes that God has for you. But if you run the race that God has marked out for you and you stay within that track, then you're going to step into God's blessing of the miraculous and of the supernatural. Now, let me explain to you the two lines, the two the lanes, uh, you know, the two lines in a lane where you are supposed to run. I want you to think of the first line on your left as what I call the general will of God. God has a general will concerning you. And what's that? To rejoice forevermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks for this is the will of God concerning you in Christ Jesus. That's what is written in Thessalonians. So there is God's general will. And God's general will is for us to love Him more and more each day. That's God's general will. But God also has a specific will for your life because the Bible tells us in Jeremiah 29, 11 that He knows His plans concerning you. So the left lane is the general will. The right lane, the right line, the right line is God's specific will for your life. And God's specific will for your life comes when God takes you through your experiences, through your training, through what you have gone through through his molding process through the gifts that God has imparted in, inside on the inside of you and God takes all of this and God converts it into his plan for your life so that when you run in this lane f- obeying the general will of God and living out the specific will of God God takes you to the end point of success and fulfillment do you understand what I'm saying? so it's so important for us to Run the race marked out for us. At the same time, while individually that's true, corporately, it is also true. Because you as an individual attend CLM. And as you come to CLM, God takes you individually, your life, the general will for you, and a specific will. And God takes all of this and weave it all together into a larger tapestry called God's destiny for the church. So just as you individually has a general will, the church likewise has God's general will for the church, which is to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so that's God's general will for the church to become the bride of Christ and more so in the day of His coming. 
The general will of God is found in Hebrews 10, verse 24, 25. You know, for us, let us not forsake the assembling of the saints and, as, uh, you know, and to spur one another to good works. That's the general will of God. But God has also a specific will for the church. And, and the specific will for the church is comprised of all the gifts that I, I hear in this room. And God takes the gifts within you and God merge it all together. And that comes out a very special redemptive gift found in CLM. And that makes CLM different from the other churches here in Coventry. Just like Trinity has a redemptive gift, Trinity has God's specific will for us. And in the same way, CLM has a specific gift and a specific will. Now, this has tremendous implication for us this morning. If we're going to run the race marked up for us for such a time as this, in God's moment for our life, therefore, we need to understand our specific will. And if you don't know, well, at the end of this service, I'm going to give you an opportunity to come into God's presence and allow God to download from heaven His will for your life. At the same time, I want to say to you, if, you don't, if you've been attending CLM and you don't know what's the direction of this church, you don't even know the direction of this church, then I will say to you this day, in order for you to know the specific will for CLM, then I want to suggest that you get together with your pastors and the leaders of this church and ask them the question, what is God's plan for this church so that you can get behind it? And as soon as you do that, you find yourself running in a race marked up for you. Number two, for such a time as this, not only do you run the race marked up for you, but you must fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of your faith. To fix your eyes. You know, the word fix is a very interesting word. And I will explain a little bit more uh, this, uh, this evening when I deal with the keys of breakthrough. But suffice here to say the word fix means a focus. The word fix here means to focus your eyes upon Jesus. Now, talking about race and fixing your eyes on Jesus, sometime uh, a couple of years ago, I had a meeting with my leadership of the church. Now, I don't preach in Trinity. Uh, in fact, I preach at CLM a little bit more than I preach back home. I'm an absentee pastor. I mean, I, by the grace of God, we have 76 pastors on staff. So I rotate them. And so I don't get to preach. You know, even when I get home, I'm on the rotational schedule. So if, I, if I'm on a rotation, if I'm, if I'm there to preach, I preach. If not, I just sit down and shut up and receive the ministry. And, uh, and so I don't get to preach often. But however, once every two months, once every two months, I meet about 2,000 plus of my leaders in the church. And so in one of that meeting between 2.30 to, uh, to 5.30, three hours, and during the three hours, I was doing a teaching for my entire leadership base. And I thought about soul care. I talked about how if we're going to have longevity in serving God, then it is important that we take care of our soul. And one of the aspects of our soul has to do with our physical body. So I talk about watching what you eat because you become what you eat. And I talk about exercise. Now, I talk about how it is important that we exercise. And so, and so I finished that, that meeting. I went home. We had a great dinner. I slept. 
And then, now first of all, you got to understand, I'm a nocturnal creature. I, I, I'm awake in the night and I sleep in the day, so to speak. But at five o'clock in the morning, I was rustled out of bed. You see, I'm a light sleeper since I married my wife. And at five o'clock in the morning, she got out of bed. And when she got out of bed, I got up. I says, honey, what are you doing? She says, I'm a good Trinitarian. I said, what? She says, I've, I've listened to your teaching, so I'm going to do your teaching. I said, honey, what time is it? It's 5 a.m. I said, honey, God is asleep. Get back to bed. <laughs> but you know, my wife went out and for two hours, uh, two and a half hours, she came back and she was drenched with perspiration. And then, you know, and that woke me up again. You know, woke my cycle of sleep. And so... And then after that, I noticed every other day. Every other day, she would get up and do the same thing. So every other day, I'm suffering. Because, you know, it's 5 o'clock in the morning for goodness sake. You know, but she has to go out and exercise at 5 o'clock in the morning. But I noticed something. She never gets up early on Saturday. So one fine Saturday, I got up at 4.30 payback time I jostled her out of bed and she said dear today is Saturday I said I know today is Saturday but it's a great day and she said what are you doing I said let's go exercise she says I don't I don't go exercise on Saturday I said well today I want to go exercise let's go together and so she got up as well and so that Saturday morning we went out and I said what exercise do you do you know, she says, I walk. I said, I can do that. It's easy, isn't it, walk? And so I held her hand. She said, what are you doing? I said, let's go for a walk. You know, I thought it's going to be a nice morning walk. But she said, no. She took my hands off and she walked. And me, I'm walking. And then she was so far ahead, I started jogging after her to catch up with her. And I noticed her stride and my jog... Yeah, my, my jogging pace was behind her, so I had to literally keep up with her. I tell you what, after two hours, the final stretch home, the last 500 meters, you know, my male ego said to me, I cannot be left behind by my wife. So I started running ahead of her. And then I said, come on, hurry. But truth be told, I was dying. I, honestly, I was dying. I arrived just before my home. That, that, you know, right before reach, arriving at my place, there is a traffic light. I stopped at the traffic light when it was red, and now I've passed her. I kind of signal her. I stopped completely, and I want you guys to understand when I stopped completely, a cloud of darkness started invading my soul. I started to feel wobbly. And in the faintest moment, I turned around and she was coming close to me. And I told myself, I cannot let her see me in this condition. If you understand what I mean. My ego just says, Dom, you gotta just breathe. And so I breathe. And I'm like, hi dear. And then the man turned green. Time to cross. She said, let's go. And I said to her, uh, you go ahead, I'll catch up with you because you're quite slow, remember? I overtook you. 
the reason why I didn't do that, I didn't cross, was because I was afraid I would faint in the middle of this junction. And I didn't want her to panic and I didn't, you know, it's an embarrassing thing. So I said, please go. And she went home. As soon as she disappeared from my sight, I looked for something and a place where I could sit. Now, when you know, I probably, I did, I lost track of time because after a while, a long while, she called me on the phone and said, dear, where are you? I said, oh, I'm still here. I'm still around. Yeah, yeah. She said, are you okay? I said, yes, I'm all right. I'm all right. And she said, I've showered, changed, and where are you? It's probably about half an hour later, 45 minutes. I was still trying to recover. I realized, therefore, my stamina was really bad. I didn't have the endurance, the capacity to do this. So I told myself, I have to start exercising. Yeah. So I told my, I told my secretary, whenever I'm, I'm booked in a hotel overseas, make sure they have a 24-hour gym so I could go exercise anytime I want. So I've been on this exercise regime. But the fact of the matter is this. The first time, the first time that I went to the gym since that incident, when I walked into the gym that day with all intent to exercise, I saw a lot of treadmill. And so I was looking for the corner treadmill. The reason why I'm looking for the corner treadmill is because I have never gone on a treadmill. Because I look at those folks running on a treadmill like Harry the Hamster, running on a treadmill going nowhere. So because I saw a lot of Harry's, the hamsters, I decided not to be one of those. And therefore, I never got on a treadmill. But I realized I had to go on a treadmill. So the only treadmill that I saw that, that had a space available was the one in the middle. And everybody's running. As I came closer to this middle treadmill, I noticed there was a lady on the right side of the treadmill and she's going... And I'm looking at her go, wow, I mean, I was pretty impressed. But then on the other side of the other treadmill was a big guy. And I mean, he's one of the biggest guys I've ever seen in my life. And he's stomping on the treadmill. And I'm like, whoa, whoa. So I step onto the treadmill. Now, the fact of the matter is because I've never been on a treadmill, I look at all the buttons and I'm intimidated. So what should I do? So I started pressing a couple of things. Nothing happened. And then I hit one. And then when I hit the number one, I noticed it started moving. And then I'm like, hey, this is too slow. And then I see this lady in front of me. And so, as I looked at her, something began to spark in me. I cannot let her outrun me. So, I started pressing. And then I hit number 15. And when I hit 15, I realized I was... <laughs> So I started picking up pace and then I was picking up pace and then very soon I was strike and by strike with this lady on my right and you know I kept in my mind I kept running and I kept, and I kept saying come on lady stop running come on stop stop it my heart was bursting I was dying so I wanted her to stop so that I could win but she didn't. She kept on running. And I kept on running. And I thought I was running for a couple of minutes. I mean, like 20 minutes, only to look down two minutes. <laughs> and I was dying. The Bible says, fix your eyes on Jesus. 
don't look to your right. First Samuel chapter 18, will you please turn to First Samuel chapter 18? First Samuel chapter 18 verse 5. Now First Samuel chapter 18 is a story of David versus Goliath. David slew Goliath. Now they're on their way back. Now follow the story very closely with me. Verse 5. Whatever Saul sent him, that's David. Whatever Saul sent David to do, just let me, just, excuse me. I, need, I should have worn my gym attire. Whatever Saul sent David to do, David did it successfully. In fact, not just successfully. The Bible says, so successfully that Saul gave him a high rank and David has never been a soldier in his life and here he's propelled, he's propelled to the highest rank in the army and this pleased all the people and Saul's officers as well. So the key here, friends, listen very carefully. When you are running in the race of life that is marked out for you, when you are running in the race marked out for you, you're in God's perfect will. And when you're in God's perfect will of His general will and His specific will for your life, and you do it well, you're going to have success. And only success, you're going to have favor. You're going to have favor. That's why it's important for such a time as this. Run the race marked up for you so that you can step into the success of God for your life. Now let's continue the story. When the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistine, the woman came out from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul. Not one woman, but every woman in every town came out to meet who? Saul. Why? The Bible tells us Saul was a tall and handsome guy. I don't know about dark. You know, I, I like to imagine he was tall, dark, and handsome. So he was, I mean, he was a hunk of a guy that every woman came out to look at the king. At the king. And they came out with singing and dancing and with joyful song and with tremolins and lute. And they danced and they sang. Now listen to the song. Saul has slain his thousand and David his tens of thousands. Uh-huh. Is there a problem there? Mm. Saul was very angry, verse 8. This refrain, this song, galled him, gutted him, and beated him. They have credited David with ten of thousands, he thought. But me, with only thousands. What more can he get but a kingdom? And from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. Wow. The Bible teaches us in Hebrews to fix your eyes, to focus your eyes on Jesus. But in the Old Testament, we read right now of a man who was running the race marked up for him called Saul. And as he was running this race, he looked over and he saw David. And when he heard the song of how David was credited with tens of thousands, it gutted him. Just like when I saw the lady running and I'm like, come on, stop running. You know, it gutted me. The scripture hit me so hard that day when I was on a treadmill 
Because we need to keep our eyes on Jesus. You hearing what I'm saying? Because when we don't keep our eyes on Jesus, we look at others and we start comparing. Jealousy creeps in. Bitterness creeps in. We get gutted. Oh, of course, some of you will say, yeah, the problem with the woman. You know, behind every sin is a woman. <laughs> oops. oops. <laughs> some of you will say, Pastor Dom, Saul was fine until those women sang the song. I want you to know there's nothing wrong with the song. Because first of all, who did the woman came out to see? Saul. So Saul was probably their hero. Saul was probably the beloved of the city and of the nation. They all love Saul. So what was the problem with the song? Well, there isn't a problem with the song if you understand the culture of those days. You see, if you read it cursory just from English, you will read it as a comparison. But it ain't a comparison when you understand the culture of those days. It was a song basically to say, both have killed their thousands, but we love our king. Even though David has killed the tens of thousands, but our Saul has killed the thousands. Do you understand? Which means it doesn't matter if he ain't winning, but he's still our king. That's the point that they were trying to make. But Saul had a jealous eye. And friends, the Bible tells us for such a time as this, if you're going to access your miracle, then you cannot look at others. You cannot look at the person and say, you know, Pastor Dom, you don't understand, man. You don't understand. I work so hard. You don't understand. I give to the church. I tithe faithfully. Pastor Dom, you don't understand. During the vision offering, I gave the best. But this bloke in my office, he's a lazy guy. He's not even a Christian. He comes to the office. First thing he does is make a cup of coffee. And then after that, he's reading the newspaper while I'm on my phone making all the call. How many of you know somebody like that? No, no, don't raise your hands. And you know what? You say to me, Pastor Dom, you don't understand. He's such so lazy. He's a non-Christian. And yet he gets promoted ahead of me. Friends, listen. Run the race marked out for you. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Don't look at him. Don't look at her. Don't look at them. Because the more you start looking at them, it will cut you. It will cause you embitterment. Your life will become bitter. So, don't worry about those. Fix your eyes on Jesus. You hearing what I'm saying? That's why the New Testament is so clear. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Ah. But you know what? We don't only just look at people for comparison. We look at circumstances as well. Isn't it? Like me, I was running and I'm comparing myself with this lady. But next thing I was like, hey, he's a fat guy, man. <laughs> uh-huh. Matthew chapter 14. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 14. Look at verse 30. Matthew chapter 14, the Bible tells us after the feeding of the thousands, after the feeding of the thousands, Jesus sent the disciples over to the other side. He said, Jesus says to them, hey, go over to the other side. He went up to the mountain to pray. As they were going over to the other side, the storm came in. The, the boat was tossed to and fro and they were fighting for dear life. At three o'clock in the morning, the Bible says Jesus came by 
and they saw the apparition of Jesus, but they thought it was a ghost. Then Jesus says, Peace, for it is I. All 12 disciples heard that. Then one disciple said, Lord, Master, if it's you, beckon me to come. And Jesus says, Come. All 12 disciples heard Jesus said, It was I. All 12 heard Jesus says, Come. But one stepped out. And when he stepped out, when Simon Peter stepped out of the boat, he was now running the race marked out for him. As he ran the race marked out for him, he suddenly looked left. And what did he see? The Bible says, Matthew 14, verse 30, he saw the wind. <laughs> How many of you can see wind? It's impossible to see wind. You can see the signs of wind. But the Bible makes it very clear. He saw wind. Why? Because he was not fixing his eyes on Jesus. He now turned, he started looking. And you know what? The more you look at your problems, the more you look at the challenges, the more you look at your issues in life, do you know they will overcome you? The more attention you give to those, the greater the power you have rendered them. But when you keep your eyes on Jesus, oh friend, listen, that's the right thing to do because then you understand the size of your God. Because the size of your God is determined by your focal point. And if you choose to look at the, the giants, then you have diminished the size of God. But as soon as you keep your eyes on Jesus, then you begin to diminish the size of the giants in your life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So if you are going to access God's miracle for your life and step into God's season for your life, it is imperative this day that you keep your eyes on Jesus. So I'm going to close right now. And I want to pray for some of us this afternoon. If you don't know God's will for your life and you can't access that destiny for your life, then I'm going to ask you to come to this place of prayer. As Mark and the team comes, and as soon as they sing the first song, then you come to this place of prayer and say, I need, I need to know, Lord. I need to know. And friends, if you don't know, like I said, if you don't know the will of God for CLM, then, then take your pastors out for, for lunch, take them out for tea, buy them a cuppa of scones and muffins and you hear their heart. Yeah. But there are some of us this afternoon, it's not just about knowing God's will for your life, but you have been comparing. You have been comparing. You've been looking at people and people will stumble you. And God says to you today, fix your eyes on me. There are others of you today, while you're not looking at people, you, you keep looking at your problems. Therefore, the words that you say, the confession of your lips will always deny you the access to heaven. That's why the Bible says, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author which means he's the pioneer, he's the one who gives faith. Because if you don't have faith, you've got to look at him. He gives you faith. But he's also the one who will complete your faith. Amen. So let's stand. First word, first line of this song, I'm going to encourage you to come. Come to this place of prayer. You are at a threshold of your greatest miracle. You are at the edge of accessing 
into your destiny. But for that to happen, you got to say, God, I'm prepared to be in the race marked out for me by you. So you come to the altars if that's what you need. And then others, you need God to help you fix your eyes on Him. You come as well. Amen.